hang about. It's our weekly catch-up with the National Party's Denise Lee. Denise, how are we going? Hey, really good, Laura, except for it's very serious time. So um, doing our best to just take things hour by hour. We were having different information come out at different points of time Mm. um, and loads of opportunity for us to band together um, and to to do best by humanity, right? Mm. Are you keeping your head up amongst it all, Denise? I know it's quite hard for everyone and particularly those who are having to deal with it quite personally. Yeah, well, I um, I see my role as um, a community elected representative mm-hmm. to, to um, this is the perfect time for me to assure people that um, that I'm available, accessible, that um, the phone lines are open, um, that any kind of assistance that I can bring and and give, um, I'll do my very best, and I know that politicians on all sides of the tracks would say the same thing this is our job this is our roles and we want to be here for the New Zealand public Mm, that is very good to hear um I will jump into our first kind of bit of controversy around this though in terms of Simon Bridges um he's caught a lot of criticism this week uh, and I might just play a clip right now of kind of some interactions we've seen between Bridges and Jacinda Mr Speaker, I want to say this again very seriously to the member on the other side of the House. Uh, This is a time where New Zealanders need to know, when New Zealanders need to know that this House is united, Mr Speaker. We are politicians and it is not for us to determine when people are tested. I ask the member again, if you would like to receive a briefing on this, I am happy to provide it. But the the member is becoming becoming borderline irresponsible. My final plea is to the member to think about the audience he is speaking to right now. This doesn't have to be political. Does she accept? that it is my constitutional duty to ask her questions and try and get answers on the most significant issue this country has faced in many, many years. Mr Speaker, I have been in that seat and I know the difference between responsible and political. Now, that is kind of a summary of a bit of drama we've seen in Question Time. Um, What are your thoughts on the criticism that Bridges has received there? Yeah, so obviously, Laura, I was in the debating chamber when that exchange took place. Um, it's really simple for us. Now more than ever, the country needs um, a government of any persuasion to do the right thing by, by New Zealanders, right? Mm. So if we were to just simply stop talking, stop asking, stop querying, stop scrutinising... Um, who, who in New Zealand would like us to do that? It is our job to make sure, and legitimate job, to make sure that we get the package right, that we get the response right, that we get the, the accessibility right, that we get everything as right as we can. So when we are um, coming across um, anything, any decision by the government, um, it's it's the right thing to just say, hey, um, thank you, that's good, but has it gone far enough? Hey, thank you, that's good, but is it the right response at this time? Hey, thank you, that's good, but have you thought about this because we're not sure that you have? Mm. 
Mm. All of that is very, very, in fact, it's not just legitimate, it's crucial that we get this right. And no one has any perfect lens. Um, but I would say to, to Kiwis, if you think that the opposition should just go silent, um, you know, more heads, more iron sharpening iron, more heads are better than less. Mm. What I might say that in terms of, uh, while I know it is very important for opposition to hold government to account, um, this is a time where people are very worried. Um, and I have seen commentary from the National Party that has been, um, has expressed solidarity while also holding them to account. So I'm thinking of a press release from Nikki Kay right now where on the last few lines she made it very clear she was in solidarity with government. Simon Bridges, however, he's kind of got this very accusatory approach. Um, it's not seemingly conveying that solidarity. Yeah, no, I I would disagree that he has an accusatory approach. Mm -hmm. um, that the what you've just played in the debating chamber mm -hmm. um, is is also the government saying that we've stepped over too far, and us saying that the government hasn't stepped too far enough. If that makes sense. It is a usual interchange between um, holding, well, quite frankly, each other to account. But we've been very clear that we think that the economic package is significant. Um, we think it can go harder and faster. Um, we think that the government's getting it right on some stuff, but could probably do a little bit more on other stuff. So overall, we're in this together, and you will see as time goes on, I've got no doubt um, more and more collaborative work um, as an entire government as the situation requires. Um, this is unprecedented times and we know that Kiwis want to see us um, mindful of what they're going through and that's what we have first and foremost in our mind is what every single listener right now is going through. We've mm. got to protect jobs, Laura. We've got to protect people from... Um, you know, inordinate fear. Um, we've got to protect people from feeling that they've got no hope next. That's our job. And we're all, every single politician in New Zealand is committed to that. Mm. This uh, commentary that you kind of just touched on there of like, we would have done more, we should have done more, we could do more sooner. Um, some could comment that isn't necessarily uh, useful for the public at the moment. Um, and it does seem to be uh, playing politics, frankly, where it's like we would have done better than the current government. Um, do you see how that could potentially set in panic? Well, that may be so if we didn't have evidence of the things that we're talking about, right? So I, um, since the government package has been announced, I personally have had, and when I get off the line, I've got someone who's coming straight into the office mm. exactly for this purpose. I've had loads of phone calls and contact from people who um, are, are really glad that there is a package out there, but it's not enough for them. They're mm. about to lay off people. In fact, they're laying off people right now. Mm. So, so... You know, even the government themselves have said this is only phase one. Well, what we essentially saying is, hey, we may need phase two, like now. Mm. So it's not that we're doing pie in the sky anecdotal examples. 
this is where we've got evidence. We've got evidence of people who wanted to get tested for COVID and don't qualify, but we think that they should qualify. Um, you know, you've got the World Health Organization themselves saying, remember the guy who's been playing in all the media channels, he said, test, test, test. And he said, WHO said, they don't think a number of countries are doing enough of this. So we're calling for a little bit more action on that front. Has New We're Zealand been a singled out? Action. Sorry, say that again. In terms of um, the World Health Organization, has New Zealand been singled out as one of those countries that isn't doing enough? No, mm. um, but we know per capita um, that we're not testing as much as other countries. Mm. Um, you know, that, that stats there available for anyone to see. Mm. Um, and, you know, if, if the, the health officials and the Minister of Health isn't keen on more testing at the moment, um, it'd be really good to have very clear when and what kind of, um, you know, line um, that, they will, that they will call on for when they will ramp up the testing. Um, you know, it's just one example. Um, you've, we raised the issue of how many ventilators are in the country um, a couple of weeks ago, and now you've got the media picking it up. Mm. Um, the media aren't getting the answers either. Mm. Um, one particular journo caught up every single DHB to ask. Cause, so, so look, it's a really fine line, Laura. Hear me really clearly here. Um, we need to be very careful about our language. I appreciate that and I accept that. Mm -hmm. But it's our role to make sure that we are going to do our very best by Kiwis. This is real life examples. It's not pie in the sky, um, you know, mm. um, storytelling. I did. I just got a couple of texts in, but one in particular says um, that you guys care about businesses and not people. Um, I know you'll have a strong response to that. Uh, what would you say <laughs> to that? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, that person couldn't be any more wrong. Um, every single thing that we have is every single Kiwi um, wonderful person in mind. Here's the bottom line. You are better to stay in your job right now than lose it and have to go on the dole, mm. have to go on an unemployment benefit. Everyone will tell you that for so many um, social indicators, mental health indicators, all sorts of indicators, staying in your job right now is the best thing that you can do. We've got to protect job losses. They're happening all around us right now. It's very likely to get much worse. So no one's saying that those currently on the benefit um, are wrong in any way. No one's saying that. We're just saying focus big time on business support, not because we want to protect business, we want to protect the employees and their jobs. Mm. But then there is the other side of that where we've seen National come out and criticise the increase to the benefit. No, no, definitely not increasing, um, criticising the increase. Mm -hmm. What we've said about that is that um, it's very likely that the government was going to do it anyway. They've been signalling that for a while. So we don't have any problem with that. Don't forget that if we were the, the only government to increase benefits in 43 years. Um, so that's what we did when we, and we increased the minimum wage year on year. We talked about this last week. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not around that. It's simply that when you look at the huge package, $12 billion package, um, it's not about what beneficiaries got. It's about the fact that the health system got a very small percentage of that package. So it's not mutually exclusive. It's that we would have liked to have seen the health sector get a whole lot more out of that package along with um, stimulus for for businesses. Hmm. I'll shift on to our next subject here um, in, on this subject. Um, but particularly nationals calling for better clarity around education decisions by government. We have seen some in the last uh, 24 hours or so come out. Um, what are your thoughts on the announcements with those decisions and is that clarity enough for you? Yeah, so in a nutshell, um, and I'm a parent of a teenager in high school, mm-hmm. um, in a nutshell, parents want to kind of try to, I know this is going to sound a bit vexed, but they want to try and plan ahead as much as they can, especially if you know that um, your job may in jeopardy, may be in jeopardy if you've got to stay home to look after your five-year-old or your seven-year-old. Mm. Um, so we, what we've been calling for is some sort of indication as to what the trigger will be to, to um, kick off school closure. Um, and, and we just don't feel that we've had that communication from the Minister of Education and from the government. Um, there's other stuff like um, additional funds for schools, for cleaning and disinfection and you know the financial support package for what will be right now their reality. What happens um, to ensure where's the indication around what happens about around teachers? How do we make sure if um, you know support staff are being laid off um, as a first tranche? What happens to them? So look, these are again just in line with what I was saying earlier. We've got to ask these questions, Laura. Mm. Um, it's our role, and it's exactly what. Um, the public should expect of us. Mm. This is obviously a situation unfolding um, kind of rapidly and we're moving with the information that is coming out quite quickly. Um, The University of Auckland has just kind of not closed, but they've started shifting to online platforms and their whole idea around that was they were working with the advice that the Ministry of Health and Education um, was giving them. So as it came out, um, is it not fair for schools to kind of be operating on the basis of that information right now, or? Well, sure. Um, so if your question is, should schools be listening to the Ministry of Health? Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, in fact, they've got no choice. That, yes. that, that is how they operate. And so we're not saying don't do that. We're just saying that we would like, as parents, as the opposition, um, and I'd hope the public would just like more indication at this stage for how um, the education system is going to be handled should things roll out um, the way that we think that they will. Mm. Um, you know, it's just about more more communication, more certainty, more assurance as much as possible. I know things are moving quickly and I know you can't predict the future, but... Um, you know, if the, the earlier the indications are, the better. 
It is interesting. Obviously, I have plenty of people around me concerned about this. Um, this is more of personal commentary, but um, there are a lot of jobs at stake when we're talking about closures of schools. Um, what do you oh, think yeah. the kind of balance is there? Um, well, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the balance, I mean, the, I'm just thinking of the other impacts, Laura. Yeah. I mean, as I said before, keeping kids at home um, keeping them with stuff to do. Parents, what about parents who are in the health sector who are needed in our hospitals um, but don't have sort of grandparent support around? Who's going to look after their kids? Mm. The kids have to stay home. You know, the impact will be massive. So it needs to be, um, you know, really carefully thought through. But the balance here, I think, is that um, if we knew a decision, I'll just call it a decision-making tree, you know, sort of timeline. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, if the criteria for school closure is the minute we have community transmission, mm -hmm. Kiwis passing on the, the virus to Kiwis, um, then, you know, we're looking at school closure. Even just that kind of indication would mean that parents could think ahead and just think, oh, okay, well, the likelihood of that is really up there. So it's going to happen at some stage, and I'll start right now trying to figure out what could happen. Mm. I'll shift on to our last subject here and have a break from the COVID-19 discussions. <laughs> yeah. um, Predator-free 2050. Uh, now, National's kind of come out, and you guys are discussing biotech. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so... Um, we think that biotechnology has real potential to be um, a great tool in helping us achieve that predator-free 2050 goal. And um, you know that was something that we came up with when we were in government back in 2016. Um, so, so uh, look, our bottom line is we think that the minister's ideology is clouding her judgment. Simple as that. The facts are that biotech... Um, really could be helpful. It's um, Lots of people are saying that around the world. But um, Minister Sage just simply won't allow that to be investigated as an option. Mm. Um, so, you know, science should inform conservation policy, right? And here's, here's some science that's helpful. Why can't we at least have the discussion? Mm. Um, so in terms of biotech, some people might not be totally clear on what you guys are meaning. Are we discussing gene editing, for instance? Yep. So that can be that can be one of the options. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I'm not a scientist, mm -hmm. so don't, don't ask me for too many more levels of detail past that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is around the lines of um, gene modification, gene editing. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly, you know, we're explored... Um, there have been some huge signs of benefit. If we want to get rid of predators and keep our environment um, in, a, in a fantastic state and condition, then we need to be open to all the options. I mean, we've got hugely, hugely strict rules and regimes around this stuff. Mm. No one's going to allow anyone to get in into gene editing, gene stuff, willy-nilly. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some of the strictest in the world already. Mm. Um, so, you know, look, if you've got options, why shut down the possibility of those options? Yeah. 
I, I mean, I'd certainly be interested in having the conversation be presented in Parliament. I think I've also heard, though, on the subject of gene editing, gene modification, uh, some scientists have come forward and say there is a potential of ecological lapse. Ecological what, Laura? Ecological collapse. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, the scientists are saying that in relation to using GM or to if we don't use it? Uh, so, in terms of if we do. So, there's kind of competing ideologies here where some people are kind of saying that, yes, this is an important tool to implement, but it needs to be considered with... Um, a lot of forethought and that ecological lapse is a potential. Well, I mean, we, we could get down to the bottom of this for New Zealand, right? Export mm -hmm. in the New Zealand context, but we sure aren't going to do that if the minister just shuts down the conversation in the first place. I'm fingers crossed because I love um, science conversations in Parliament. <laughs> um, I will shift on to our last question here. Uh, so the personal question. So, um, in amongst conversations of social distancing and isolation, uh, I am curious, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Ooh, okay, so um, I'm going to answer that and then I'm going to make sure those listening in um, know the, the definition because I always say, most people hear that, right, and think introverts are shy and extroverts are outgoing. Um, but my definition of an introvert is someone who um, can doesn't have to be shy at all. In fact, they can be quite mm. outgoing when they're around the public, but they get tired um, and they need to get away mm. to kind of get juice back in the tank and then get back into it after that. So that's me. So I'm an introvert, Laura, um, mm. and I love people. I love being around people. Um, in fact, it's the best part of my job, but... I do get drained and I need to do stuff. I love going out to look at gorgeous, beautiful, majestic scenery. It makes me feel really good and really small, mm. which is good, you know, like just a little micro dot on the planet. And then I feel that everything's in order and then I just get back into the fray after that. Mm. I am a little bit of an introvert, sometimes extrovert, depends on the day <laughs> <laughs> myself. You're adaptable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's who I am. Um, well, <laughs> so how are you feeling because you're by yourself in the studio? That's a bit sad. Okay? No, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm talking to you on the phone. I'll call up Corey later. So and okay. I'm, I'm getting streams of texts in, so I'm feeling the okay. love today. Um, all right, good. All good. And support. I'm noticing that, you know. I'm mm. really noticing that right now. Kiwis are, um, when, I don't know about you, but when I've um, ventured out anywhere, people are smiling and eye contact more than they ever have before. Mm. I'm really sensing something good is happening amidst all our uncertainty. Mm, definitely. I think people are trying their best to come together, which is a really nice thing to see. Yep. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to talking with you next week, Denise. You too, Laura. You take care and um, don't be too self-isolated in that studio, okay? I will definitely <laughs> try my best. See you, Denise. Okay. See ya. The National Party's Denise Lee on 95BFM.